Hey, Jason. I get it still. <laughs> I still point the wrong way, man. This inverted screen. It's all right. I, though, according to my son, this is the worst I'll ever look. Today or at like? No, no, no. Like in the inverted screen. Oh, in the inverted screen. Like, right. you, you look great. This is how I, I see you. too. Well, here's the trick. This is how you always will look. This is how you look for real. Like, that's what I keep saying. Like, anybody who's looking at the mirror image of themselves don't know what they have to look like. You have to be looking at yourself this way to see the real you. Yeah, that's right. You did tell me that. And now it's dawning on me that that happened. This is like, you know, things go into the past for me and I just get lost there. Mm -hmm. But what I will say is that 1999 is not lost on me because I I actually I I could dilly dally today because we have so much stuff to talk about. But I feel like there's I've been thinking a lot about that era and Y2K, you know, and the fear that was driven up to the Mm -hmm. change of the uh, millennium, Mm -hmm. change of the millennium, the millennium. Yeah. And I was in the Air National Guard at the time and I was in IT. And so we were doing all those Y2K repairs on all the the different comm units and all the different programs that we were using in the huh. in the military. Um, and I was also working at the power wow, company. Wait, what, doing what that were kind we of the stuff. comm units? Were they using the same graphic cards as like before they got to the PS4? <laughs> no, they were using, um, I mean, it was, it was mainframes when I started. They were still using mainframes in the 90s, which were pretty out of date. But uh, by then we were using Cheaper. Windows. Yeah, Windows 3.1. Um, and Windows 95, yeah, and uh, but we still had to do all those uh, Y2K upgrades, and whether they worked or not, they kind of, I guess, technically, whoever sold everybody the bill of goods was like, hey, nobody died, the world didn't explode, so all that that preparation worked, you know. Well, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. by the way, it did. Uh, I was never afraid. I, I say, like, I have a lot. I used to have many, many fears. Y2K mm-hmm. was not one of them, though. Uh-huh. I was at the time to set the stage. I was working the door at the whiskey bar at the Uh Sunset Marquee Hotel. It's like Randy Gerber's first place. And um, you know what he gave us for our our, our, uh, holiday bonus? $99. Oh, no, 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 that would have been generous. He gave us a a gift certificate to Ralph's, which I'm sure Ron Burkle gave him, for Uh uh, just enough money to buy a turkey for Thanksgiving. Oh, Jesus. Be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. That's what. Yeah. So I, I quit not long after. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, rest his soul, Wendell, who was a dear friend of mine who ran that place. Like, he was the best guy to run anything ever. He killed himself. Uh-huh. Off himself. I miss him to this day. Yeah. So I don't want to get on a down note, but what I'm saying is there was a lot of fear driving up to this point in mm-hmm. life, and everyone there was this unsteadiness. Yeah. Yeah, I was freaked out. I had nightmares that because um, I understood how that the coding stuff worked. My biggest freak out was that pacemakers were going to stop. Like, I was scared to yes, death. I remember that. About shit like that. You know, that was the thing where all of a sudden it was like, and it was like, have one. no, but I just was afraid of it. I was well, Julie not, Bowen would have had a problem. Yeah, we wouldn't exactly. have modern family. Exactly. And that just dropped. I mean, this is a serious thing, but it didn't happen. No, there none was of that. A lot of fear. Well, there's tons of fear. And speaking of fear, before we jump to our guest, which I want to do after um, we're finished with our guest, or he's finished with us, I should say, um, we're going to show the trailer to that movie spree which yep. again is is a lot of fun but it looks like again diy fear driven like it, it reminds me of crank when it first came out or mm-hmm. anyway we'll get to it after but should we jump in with with let's brian because yeah, yeah. i mean i want to talk all things 1999 right so I do too. W- let's just get our guest on it's brian rafferty right he wrote yeah. best movie year ever ever 1999 and so i don't disagree with him and, let's do this yeah, no i don't either let's get him on and talk brian hey how's it going is it Rafferty or Raftery? Uh, it's Raftery, but it's a very weird Irish variant. So I gave up correcting like substitute teachers and, and coworkers on that years ago. So, Mr. Raftery, yeah, Mr. Raftery, get up into the class. Okay, sorry, I can't do accents. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. So let me ask you first: What compels you to write this awesome book? Uh, well, thanks. I mean, you know, I started working on it in like 2016, which I'm not sure what happened that year, but I kind of felt like the world. I started thinking about the end of the world again. I'm trying to remember what happened in the fall of 2016 that made me. Yeah, I'm trying to think now too. Yeah. What would cause that thought? You weren't off. But, you know, it's funny you guys are talking about Y2K, and I actually started off kind of researching a book on Y2K. I was like, oh, I'd like to find people who actually, you know, went into. There are people who went into caves. There are people who kind of like spent tons of money on these, like, Y2K proof homes. Um, and then I realized that'd be kind of a depressing long book because yeah, but that's your next book. Now, yeah. now everyone wants to read that. That might be my next lifestyle. Actually. I think getting, getting Y2K <laughs> right now would be a pretty good idea. 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, I always, that was the year, 1999 was like a really big year for me as a movie fan because that was the year I graduated college. I moved to New York City for the first time uh, and I was working in Entertainment Weekly as an intern. So I got to go to screening. So I was like the first year where oh, I went wow. from like going to college in the central Pennsylvania where you were lucky if you got the Matrix um, to seeing every movie made and just even at the time entertainment week i had all these coworkers who were very big movie fans and were well, much Brian, older i was gonna my... interrupt you which yeah. i love to do were you yeah. working with owen gleiberman at the time i did know Owen. yeah yeah he's one of my favorites i mean to this yeah. I, that guy to me i we agree on everything so yeah he's smart. i did yeah i had lunch with him uh, when i was working on the book to sort of talk to him about that year um yeah i used to help him do his expense uh, accounts when i was an intern <laughs> Good um but, you know, that was like a really remarkable year. And Entertainment Weekly did a cover story that fall called The Year That Changed Movies. So to, like, I think we all knew at the time that something had happened because by November we'd had we'd had The Matrix, we'd had Fight Club. But we also had had, you know, we knew Magnolia was coming. We would had Election, which was this really great kind of strange, very dark comedy for a studio to make. Uh, we'd had Blair Witch Project. We had all these movies. We'd run Lolo Run. It was just like this huge, huge yeah, list. Swedish film. Wait, run Lolo Run is German, right? Yes, German. Yeah, Tom Speaker. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then you said the, the the Blair Witch. That was really the beginning of found footage. That did not exist before that genre was created in Blair Witch. Yeah, and, and I think people forget. I mean, when people think about um, Blair Witch, they sort of think about just like whether they loved it or hated it at the time. But like, it was a huge. I mean, it was the cover of Time and Newsweek at the same time. It was the biggest independent movie that had ever been made at that point. Um, Agreed. And was, like that, that lasted, that, that movie came out right around the same time as the sixth sense. And those two movies played for months. I mean, back so then, I'll give you in the theater forever. Yeah. yeah. Where I am, I was at the door at the sunset marquee, which yeah. was the hub for everyone famous, you know, yeah. and everyone in the business, this guy, Mark Curcio, who ran that company, he had bought Blair Witch. So we were all aware of it as it was coming in. It oh, was wow. the biggest thing yeah. that ever. Now he's not yeah. even in the business. I don't yeah. think this is and, what changes. Well, technically yeah. it wasn't the first found footage. There was actually a found footage horror about the, um, I, what is it? The, the devil, the Boston devil or something that had come out a couple years before. But what it did do even more than that was mm. it really brought out the viral marketing. Like that yeah. was the first real viral marketing system that everybody tries to do now. Yeah. Yes. And that was kind of by accident. I mean, they, those guys who made the Blair Witch Project were really smart and they started making a website like while they were still kind of putting the footage together. So before that movie came out, there was a whole year's worth of people going online and finding little weird photos and going, wait, is this real? And obviously if that happened now, someone on Twitter would be like, this is fake. I saw it last <laughs> night. But there was something kind of fun in 98 and 99 of like either going online and genuinely thinking this might be a real snuff film, or if not, at least kind of going along with the fun of it, which is why, I mean, that movie, you know, they opened it on a couple little theaters in New York for the first weekend, and it was insane. It was like tens of thousands of money, dollars per screen. So by the time it came out, it was just like, it was the number one movie by a mile. And, and I think people have forgotten what a phenomenon that was because it got so ripped off and kind of watered down. But it's still a great movie. If you show that to like a 12-year-old kid who'd never heard of it, I wonder if they would think it's real or not. It's still pretty effective. I completely agree, I yeah. agree with you, Ryan. Um, so so let's just, I want to marry these two things as we go into talking about the great films of this yeah. year. But you said you started in researching these Y2K people who were really afraid, and it brought you into this, you know, the, the, you had the cover of Entertainment Weekly, which is where you would work. So what is the final push where you're like, you know what, this is the year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, and then I want to get into all the great films. You know, I weirdly, I actually had this weird thing where I wrote a book proposal, uh, which is what you're supposed to do before you sell a nonfiction book to show, kind of show you've done your homework. And I wound up pitching a book that was basically about 1989 in general, because it wasn't just the movies at first. To me, it was like, that was the year Eminem started. That was the year TRL and Britney started. That was the year of Columbine. They were just, that was the year Donald Trump first announced running for president, which he flirted with for several months. So there was so much stuff going on that year with this giant weird deadline of Y2K that I was like, oh, this is a book. And then I eventually, this editor at Simon & Schuster reached out to me, Sean Manning, and was like, hey, do you want to do a book just on the movies and use the movies to talk about all these other things that were going on? Because you can use the movies to talk about Columbine. You can use the movies to talk about all that rage yes. that Eminem took off with, you know, it's so, so it was kind of like you could use the movies to look at the whole prism of that year because they were all dealing with this sense of dread. I mean, like fight club and Magnolia and all these films are like, there's, there's like a built in like layer of anxiety into all these movies of what was coming, you know? Okay, so let's get into it, because that's brilliant. Thank you for that, because that really gives a nice foundation into what we're going to talk about. By the way, the last two movies you just mentioned, Fight Club, Magnolia. 
arguably, not to me, inarguably two <laughs> perfect films, right? In the same year. Yeah, I mean, within months of each other, yeah. And then you have something like Three Kings, which is on my top five for that year. It was just like one of the, it's like the craziest thing ever that Warner Brothers, the, one of the biggest studios in the world, decided to make an $80 million subversive anti-Gulf War film. With David <laughs> with like, o. Russell, who no one knew. Yeah, who barely ever knew. And George Clooney, who was not really a movie star at that point. I mean, Coming he was... Yeah, I mean, he he'd done some stuff, but no one really thought of him as like anchoring a really like a, a big war drama. That uh, was the but, first time he got accepted as a movie star. Sorry to interrupt, but it gets me excited. Yeah, I think I think that and Perfect Storm kind of were like back to back kind of made. I mean, that's I think that's also one of the, his best big screen performances. He did that and Out of Sight back to back, and you're like, oh, this guy can really act. Um, Both with know, Wahlberg, by the way. Yeah, Wahlberg's Wahlberg's great in that movie. Spike Jones is in that movie. Being John Malkovich was 99, so it's like it's an insane <laughs> list of movies. Oh, can I ask you a question? I just wanted your professional opinion on this, um, since you are an expert. Uh, <laughs> my my thought has always been that David O. Russell set the precedent. Did, did, did that movie, Three Kings, it came out before Sexy Beast, right? Yeah, like a year or so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right. I think it, it, 2000, 2001, yeah. Right, and why I ask is because the CGI in Three Kings, when he gets shot and we see the bullet break mm -hmm. up the heart and everything, that yeah. was the first time I had ever seen that. Then it was used again in Sexy Beast, and then CSI just kind of appropriated. Right. Yeah, Do you yeah, agree yeah. with this, that David O. Russell set this up? That was, a, I mean, I think you can give him credit for that. Maybe someone had tried that before, but that was certainly, I mean, I remember seeing that movie in a screening and everyone really audibly gasped because that scene... And just people haven't seen it, like a, a bullet, it's someone narrating what happens, the damage that a bullet does to your internal organs, and you go into someone's body and see it. And it's so quick, and it's played almost comically that it's genuinely shocking. But yeah, I mean, I think they wound up using that in all those autopsy police procedurals in the years that went, came that came afterward, yeah. All right, so let's just launch in now, because just I'm going to let you talk. Just go, and <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll probably, I'll try to contain myself. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, so I mean, that was the thing about that. The whole book was definitely like trying to look at this mass of movies. And at one point, I think I had like I still have all these DVDs here that I haven't gotten rid of. And there's like <laughs> I had about 60 DVDs because the problem with 1999 is that we're trying to write about it. It's not the way Hollywood is now. Hollywood now is very much like the big studios mostly do blockbusters. And then you get this independence to the really small films. And there's not much in between those things in between kind of go to Netflix or go to Amazon. But there are so many like in between lost movies that were great from that year, like, and they're not necessarily like the kind of movies people still talk about. But I love, for example, Deep Blue Sea, which is like to my to my mind like one of the best big studio monster movies, one of the last really great goofy disaster movies. Um, so even a movie like that is in that year, you know. So it's kind of hard to find a way to settle down. But we eventually kind of pared down the book to about ten or fifteen kind of key films from that year and. Talk to people like Steven Soderbergh and David Fincher and Sofia Coppola and just sort of trying to make like make sense of what this year was like for these movies and for with the, for these filmmakers. So, Jason, you got pulled up here on the screen. We're looking at I was putting on Deep Blue Sea. You guys talk. I'll yep. just try and change them as much as fast as I can. You yeah, guys talk so. about them. I'll try and bring them up. I mean, it's not a movie people talk about. It's not one of the first. It's not on anyone's top 10 list for that year. But Rennie I, Harlan. Yeah, Rennie Harlan. But like. You have stuff like that. You have all these first-time filmmakers. You have, you know, Spike Jones does his first movie. Sofia Coppola does Virgin Suicides, her first film. You have Kim Pierce doing Boys Don't Cry, which was a huge movie that came out at the end of that year. Um, she won the Oscar for, right? Uh, yeah, and you have Brad Bird. I mean, Brad Bird did The Iron Giant that year. That was his directing debut. You had all these filmmakers who were coming together. And then so you had these three generations. You had these new people. You had... Um, Stanley Kubrick making his first movie in like 17 years with Eyes Wide Shut. You had Lucas directing his first movie since Star Wars when he did The Phantom Menace. And then you had this kind of fast... Yeah, Phantom Menace was 99 too. <laughs> yeah, I'm just realizing like, holy shit. Yeah. Please continue. And then you have like this middle, this kind of middle class of emerging filmmakers like David Fincher who does Fight Club. You have Soderbergh doing The Limey, which is one of my top favorite Soderbergh movies. Top favorite. I mean, Terrence Stamp to me, yeah. what a great revenge pick that movie. Fantastic. Did you see that, Jason? really good have you ever seen it oh yeah yeah it's great love, uh, love really really smart nasty fun movie um and then you have michael mann doing the insider which is like i know for michael mann fans isn't like his sexiest movie but to me it's russell crowe and al pacino staring each other down for two and a half hours and it's so smart and it's so tense and it's about you know it's about like a whistleblower it's not a movie that would be In made the tobacco industry you know? Never get made today, I don't think, even like as a TV movie. And yet it was such a tension-based film, even though yeah. really it's about a guy just blowing the whistle on the uh, tobacco industry because he got fired. 
Yeah. And it's a movie that came out. It's about, you know, the effects of corporations on big news. And it's, an, it's a movie that came out at the end of a decade where all the major news organizations or many of them have been bought up by big corporations. So all these movies were either very clearly engaging with what had happened in the 90s or they were kind of looking at what was going to come. I mean, like the Matrix could be interpreted a million ways, but the Matrix was right. definitely about the future or what you think the future might be like or whether that movie is now the future. <laughs> I don't know anymore. It's like some of these I, films that were a little apocalyptic at the time now seem way, <laughs> seem like way too prescient. I mean, I can't agree more. And then, by the way, what were we just looking at, Jason? Lockstock? Lockstock, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Smoke Smoke yeah. yeah. By the way, that's his first movie. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you this know, is all ninety nine. Let's just be clear. Yeah, it's all ninety nine, and some of them were maybe released in ninety in, two, in a different year in the UK. But for the for the main, for the most part, you know, Wes Anderson's Cruel Intentions. Holy but crap! Cruel yeah. Intentions is ninety nine. Cruel Intentions is ninety nine. Uh, how you know, like, there's so many teen Jeez. movies in that year. That was the peak of. Uh, I mean, that was the peak of like the TRL boom. Um, so you had that. You had She's All That. You had a lot of the big teen movies came out in that year. Um, so it was just, it was just, you know, movies were the king. I mean, pop culture was mostly movies and music. TV was still very big, but, and the Sopranos started in 99, but really people went to the first season aired. I'm sorry, Brian, was the first season airing of the Sopranos in 99 also? Yep. It was like February or January 99. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just hot. Michelle, Sarah, Michelle Geller. (laughs) It's insane. She still looks just as hot. By the way, like hasn't aged a day. All right, yeah. I mean, I love Cruel Intentions. To me, it's like I don't mean this as a put down. To me, it's like really well made trash, and I think it was made in that spirit. Um, Roger Kimball or Cumble, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's it's dangerous liaisons. I mean, you know, he's taking great literature and he's just making it like Gossip. I believe Gossip Girl is based on this format of Cruel Intentions. I can see that. I can definitely see that as like a forerunner to Gossip Girl Mm -hmm. for sure. Oh no, are you telling me that Austin Powers came out in '99 too? Sequel, Austin Powers too. Yeah. The good one. The best one. Yeah, the best one. I never knew if it was good or not because I saw it in a Times Square theater like the la- like in its last weeks before it was cleaned up. And all I remember sitting there watching Austin Powers 2, and I was like, every single seat smells like urine, no matter where. <laughs> it was that That's really so random. It was a smell vision thing. That was just part of the deal. You know, it's it's you know, it's like the things I would do, the things you would do to go see a movie in 99. I went to see Austin Powers and Summer of Sam in the opening weekends in that theater, and mostly I remember how terrible that theater was. And like it closed a year later, and I was like, I can't believe it didn't just <laughs> crumble to the ground of its own free will, just soaked in whatever horrific fluids <laughs> in that theater. I mean, I'm sorry, to me, Mike Myers is the closest thing we have to Peter Sellers. Period. End of discussion. I'm not asking for an opinion. I feel like no one's done anything close. Eddie Murphy, yes, for sure. But Mike Myers is, I don't know, next level. This is all again, 99. Sorry. Mike Myers definitely agrees with you on that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he does. I vote for Steve Coogan because I love Steve Coogan a little more. But, uh, I mean, Myers, at that that era of Myers especially, he was really going for the seller stuff. But Coogan hasn't done Dr. Strangelove. Whereas, to me... yeah. I don't know. Alan Partridge, that feels to me like a long running, almost almost as admirable in its own way. But yeah, I mean, Coogan versus okay, Mike Myers. Okay, revisit that. Yeah, I mean, there's like, but it's just, that's the whole thing. It's Brian's like, mad at me, Jason. <laughs> yeah, he really likes Coogan. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to have the confrontation, but he'd like to rip me a new one. No, no, I, I love it. I would never. I was a big oh. Mike Myers fan back in the day. Um, eyes wide shut. Look at this. Yeah, eyes wide shut. I mean, look, I mean, it's 99. like, you know, it's like you have Tom Cruise I mean, Tom Cruise spent basically 16 months making this movie. He put off Mission Impossible 2, and he's like, I'm going to make an R-rated movie with Stanley Kubrick in London that had a script that no one at Warner Brothers really was about to read, was allowed to read. It was just like this mystery movie. Um, and the weird thing is that... You watched uh, it recently, Brian? Yeah, I watched it a few times to make the book, yeah, when I was working on the yep. book. I really it's dig fantastic. it. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. It is such a masterpiece. I think the scene of Cruz and Kidman having their like 15 minute showdown halfway through the movie is like insane. It's also like, it's a very weirdly, it's also a movie made by an older man. Cause it is so conservative. It's like Tom Cruise has a fantasy that for a second, his wife may have cheated on him and he responds by like going to an orgy. It's like, it's like the weirdest movie where like, I think there's a few steps in between that. It's like, but Nope, none. Yeah. I mean, did you see Lolita? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know. All right, so yeah, but again, ninety nine, and this is why, Jason. You see, when we talk about a book, a novel, you know, why he has periods, best movie year ever. Period yeah. after each one of the words, because look at this. But anyway, go, go on, Brian. This is insane. 
No, I mean, the, the title is definitely set up to be, it's, you know, it's to be a fight because I generally like, you know, I could think of 1939 or 1950 or 1969 or like some of the best years ever. But for me, it's like, I felt like 99 was interesting because it really did feel like the last year where movies truly were like the biggest thing in the culture. You could never have a year like that. Now you need, you, they're not, they don't make as many movies as they did back in 1999 and they didn't make, they didn't make them to satisfy as many audiences. And that's one of the reasons why I think when people look at that list and like, Oh, Notting Hill too. It's like, the, it's like the best man. Like it just, wait, Notting so, Hill is, Oh, oh my God. And Notting 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 Professor? yeah, oh, yeah. Bowfinger. 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. One of the best comedies ever. Uh, I haven't I, seen this, Steve Martin. Go I, ahead, bro. I, I thought until until Dolomite, I thought like Eddie Murphy would never make a movie as good as as a performance as good as Bowfinger. That is like that to me was his last great performance for a long time. And, and you know that's so interesting that you say that, Brian, because Dolomite to me was genius, and yeah. Eddie Murphy to me is is one of those guys that I feel like has been overlooked in a lot of ways, and he's one of the most talented guys we have. Uh, Eddie Murphy would agree with that in the same way Mike Myers would agree. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Eddie Murphy's I'm just like looking for them to hire me. That's all. <laughs> he's been his own worst enemy for a long time. But like, this was like, he's only in the movie for like 25 minutes. It's like a really, really smart supporting role. And he's super funny in it. Um, and Martin's really good too. It's, it's like, a, it's again, people forget about this movie. It wasn't a huge hit. It did well though. Enough people remember it because everyone went to the movies that year. Well, Brian, you just said something very interesting. It wasn't a huge hit, and I was going to bring this up. We're talking about a lot of movies that at the time, Fight Club was panned. It was not a big yeah. hit in the, in the. I mean, not by me, but in, in the theater, right? It was not a big hit. A lot of these movies were not big hits, correct? Yeah. Election was not a big hit. Office Space, which is 9-9, was definitely not a big hit. I mean, one of the two of the cast members I interviewed for the book about Office Space both went to go see it on opening weekends in theaters that were either empty or almost empty. I mean, Office Space is so weird because if you asked anyone who was like 17 years old, they must they would assume it was a huge hit. It was a complete bomb. I mean, it took DVD and cable to make these movies bigger. I mean, especially Fight Club. Fight Club was attacked by, you know, William Bennett, one of the big sort of government conservative guys. I mean, it, the, the movie was really, Fight Club was really kind of just like sneered at by Hollywood. It was seen as really I remember. irresponsible. Yeah. yeah um, and I, th- I was blown away, but yet Hollywood was like, no, no, no. And now everyone is like, it's one of the best movies ever made. Now we're looking at Office Space. Everyone agrees it's one of the better, if not best comedies of maybe the decade, if not the last 50 years. I mean, so go on, Brian. No, I mean, Office Space is so great because, I mean, first of all, it's like it is obviously so quotable, but there's so much great stuff that doesn't get kind of mentioned by the movie. But what I love about it is like if you look at like all the business comedies of the 80s, like Secret of My Success and Working Girl, they were all like, you know, the dream of life is to make it big in a big office job. And like it's hilarious to me that by the end of the 90s, everyone's like, actually, office jobs suck. <laughs> like cubicles suck. Like that dream of the 80s, like is totally over gone. that. And yeah, that's later. done. Yeah, you're, you're, you know you're very right, and we do see a very strong depiction of what we're kind of moving into in the next millennium. Because this yeah. is the flip of the millennium. So, all right, so we got Office Space. I mean, I'm so I'm, I'm so blown away by all these movies. Please, what else we got, Brian? Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think about the stuff that we haven't. I mean, we really haven't talked about Malkovich that much, which is one of my Please. favorites of that year. Yeah, um, and that was you know that's weird. Like being John Malkovich was strangely it was a hit. Like of all these movies, it wasn't a huge box office hit, but that was one of those movies that like. It played for months. Everyone saw it. It got a bunch of Oscar nominations. And it's kind of strange now because I don't think, I mean, maybe Netflix would greenlight that movie now. Um, but that was a big right. studio, you know, giving Spike Jones, you know, not a huge amount of money, but letting him make that movie, which is an insane script. You know, yeah, I mean, listen, that is it, that was one of those movies. And again, they used early Internet promotion like i remember seeing oh, yeah. something online where they're like if you could be anyone if you can go into anybody's body who would it yeah. be and i remember like writing an essay about who it was i'm not going <laughs> to share it here but it was brad pitt and i was like you know and i was like oh after i sent it i felt we're watching the uh little piece of uh, being john malkovich i remember after i sent it and i realized that it was for the movie i'm like oh man i'm so embarrassed i'll talk but, about know, this one day on a show it's funny that you mentioned that because, like, to me, Malkovich is one of those movies that you could read it as kind of being a warning about the internet because it really is about this idea of it overtaking someone's life and the idea of like, who are you? What is your identity? I mean, one of the one of the weird things that happened in '99, and this is not something I mentioned in the book for more than a second, but that was the year that Garth Brooks did Chris Gaines, his like goth alter ego, and like released a whole album and hosted Saturday Night Live and played. Like, that was guys. the year he did that. He yeah, had that little meltdown. 
Yeah, all these weird years of like people. It was a year where people were just kind of playing with their identity. I mean, it's like you know, Malkovich is kind of like the same as um, talented Mr. Ripley. It's really about people trying to lose who they are and become someone else. Um, you know, The Matrix is kind of about that too. You know, it's about visualizing another person's body, another person's mind, and jumping into it in some way. You know, well, also none of this is real. Yeah, you know, this is all, and everything's fleeting, and we're all dying, which leads us to Magnolia. Right. <laughs> which again, how about this, Brian? I would, I would make the um, what, the dissertation that this movie could no way, shape, or form be made today. Magnolia. Yeah, I mean, it almost didn't get made back then. I mean, it's kind of remarkable because I think. <laughs> You know, Boogie Nights was Boogie Nights was not a huge box office hit that came out in '97, but every single person in Hollywood wanted to make Paul Thomas Anderson's next movie, and yes. New Line gave him forty million dollars, which is probably like what, like sixty, seventy million dollars today. And they and and like the guy was like, I'm getting. This guy was like, I'm making a three hour, fifteen minute movie, whatever. It's mostly about death. There's going to be a plague of frogs. And by the way, I'm going to get Tom Cruise, everyone's favorite movie star. I'm going to cast him as like the most loathsome horn dog bastard he's ever been in a movie uh, and yes. so it's like no one would none of those ideas make any sense in modern hollywood now you wouldn't get you wouldn't be able to you wouldn't be able to walk on a lot with the magnolia script you would be thrown out um right this is what i'm it, saying the way he's talking uh, about women and the negging and the hate from all oh, yeah. that just this one thing alone whether you have tom cruise or not and you know then the go just continue sorry <laughs> no no it's fine i I love Magnolia. I think it's I think it's got a lot of flaws. I had to watch it a lot for the book. And when you watch that movie three or four times in a year, you do sort of see how it's got a little too many characters. I think I think Paul Thomas Anderson has even said that he would probably cut it a, quite a bit now. But the main stuff in that movie, the stuff with Cruz, the stuff with Robards is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, that itself is kind of its own little mini movie in the middle of Magnolia. I, it, I do love it. And Julianne Moore's, you know, pharmacy speech, which has kind of become sort of internet famous now. Like I see a lot of memes and stuff. And I think Barry did a whole joke about Julianne Moore's speech in that movie, but like, it's just fantastic writing, great performance. And it's just the kind of thing you wouldn't be able to sneak into a big studio movie nowadays. Not in a million years. And, and yeah, sorry. Someone made a comment. One of our, our listeners is that it's only about American films. Well, we had lock stock and two smoking barrels in there, but yeah, you know, and it's not a purposeful thing. Just, Brian wrote a genius book about American films in 99. So, but you did include lock stock, right? Yeah. I mean, lock stock's there. I mean, I think run Lola run, which I talked yes. to a lot about in the book is, you know, it was really hard to ignore so much of world cinema because there was a lot of good stuff that year. I thought the the thing was like Run Little Run to me felt like the one that was most addressing kind of all of these anxieties we had about the I mean, you know, for people who haven't seen that movie, which is by the way, is absolutely fantastic. Um real time, right? But um, it's not so much real time as like it's just that the story starts and stops and restarts with three different versions throughout the movie. So it's kind of mm. I mean, I think Tom Flicker was very much influenced by video games and the idea of starting a new life and powering up. So you see this woman go through this very fast moving day, crime filled day with three different endings and it's it's but it's all you know it's all the same ideas we've been talking about it's about fate it's about the anxiety it's about being able to choose your own life and where you go and jumping into another life and it's just it's a it's a really really fantastic movie um i think it's it's in my probably my top 10 of that year for sure Okay, so oh, do we have your top ten for this year? Like, what do you have it handy? Can or I don't have it handy. It changes. Okay. it changes a lot. Um, fair enough. Certain, fair enough. Like election, three kings, fight club, being John Malkovich, boys don't cry, run Lola run would all be in the top six or seven. You know, I mean, it's like I love those movies. I've seen them a lot. Um, I love the limey. Amazing. I love you know. I I love um, like I said, Deep Blue Sea is kind of like a weird top ten choice. Uh, right. But and I love Blair Witch. I thought Blair, I, I Blair Witch. I saw it at an early screening, and I remember walking out into Manhattan at, like late at night in the summer and just being like really terrified by it. I mean, it was just generally a scary movie until you kind of until it kind of became a fad. It was really generally kind of terrifying. Okay, so let's take that that idea and move it into this thought, which is, you know, then we had the Blair Witch. We're starting out in this kind of found footage thing, and now we have Blumhouse, and we're in 2020. And and how do you well, think? What? Well, I was just going to say, what yeah. I want as we talk about this stuff. This is also the year of M Night Shyamalan and the yeah. Sixth Sense. Oh my lord! This yeah. is the year Sixth Sense came out. Yeah, Sixth Sense, which was the number two movie after The Phantom Menace. I mean, the, the, the Sixth Sense played for, I think I counted at one point, I think it played for 48 weeks. I mean, it almost played for a whole year. And it was wow. still making money toward the end. I mean, this was like, 
it was nominated for best picture it was nominated for best director best director best screen i mean it's like this was such a huge and it was august which was not a a month where you put a movie you thought people would want to go see and you know i interviewed people for the book and m night was convinced it was not going to work and disney was not convinced it was going to work disney was basically showing this the critics a couple weeks before and saying hey do you have any feedback we don't really know what this movie is um because it's yeah, like Bruce willis was on a downtrend it was he was at the you know at a lull in his career at this point also yeah, I mean, he'd done he he'd lucked out with Armageddon the year before, but but like the three or four years before that were just like bombs at one after another, and he wound up closing down a movie a couple weeks in a shooting that got him in legal trouble. Like he was really having a bad late night late night. You know? <laughs> right, um, and then we get this. Yeah, and this it's probably going to be you know when when Bruce Willis passes away. I mean, The Sixth Sense and Pulp Fiction and Die Hard are going to be the three movies that are probably the first ones people are going to remember and mention in his obituary. I mean, that you cannot. You cannot get bigger than The Sixth Sense that year. It was ridiculous for a first time. I mean, he made a movie before, but for, like, for a, a real big first studio movie from M. Night Shyamalan, that's an insane-sized hit. Cover of Time magazine he was. He was he was a big deal. People forget how I mean he was he was very eager to make himself a celebrity director. <laughs> I agree. And people, you know why they forget? Because he made Lady of the Lake. That's why <laughs> they forget. Okay. So, so... <laughs> Listen, I should only make all those movies bad and good. Uh, you know, I, I say it in jest. Uh, the guy's a genius. Um, so, uh, wait, there was something else. That, all right, so we're sorry, that's what I was asking, Brian. So how did we, so we see this, like, we have Blumhouse now. We had, you know, found footage then with Blair Witch. But uh, what is the, what do you see as the big differences now that we're looking at theatrical and video in 2020 as opposed to what we're seeing there, you know, back then? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the. I mean, the fact is that people are not don't do not have the urgency to go out to a theater anymore, and so you can't get a movie to play for weeks and months. Um, and like you know, Bloomhouse. It's funny. The year I was working on this, one of the years was as I was working on this, Get Out came out, and it, there had not been a movie quite like that, phenomenon wise. Like there had not been a movie that. I mean, when I lived in Brooklyn, when Get Out came out, it played at one theater in Brooklyn for like seven months or something, and you just didn't have that. But that's one of those rare movies that everyone's like, I have to go see that in the theater right now because so many people are talking right. about it. And it feels so of the moment that you feel like you're missing out. And I think a lot of people, especially younger people, movies are a thing they do. Um, but it's not necessarily the way it was when I was younger, where it's like you had to go see it because on Monday you were going to meet up with your friends and talk about what movies you saw. And, right. you know, Time Magazine, like you said, would put filmmakers and movies on the cover and Newsweek would. And Larry King would have an hour with a director, not just an actor, but like they'd have a, he'd have a director on. And they would talk about yeah. movies. And Charlie Rose would do that. Um, so I think the culture of what movies mean to people is very different. So it's kind of hard. You know, the Blair Witch now would probably be, uh, it would probably be, be a Blumhouse or it would be like a, a really cool VOD movie that your friend texts you about and says, hey, we watched this on Friday. You should watch it in the next couple of weeks. And you'd be like, all right, cool. I'm going to add to my right. crew. And then you kind of forget about it. Uh, whereas That's a 99, exactly right. like, you had to see it even if you knew you were going to hate it or thought you were going to hate it. You just, there was kind of like this pop culture social pressure you know, to be up on movies. Well, yes, Brian, and, and you brought up a, a very, very interesting idea, which is that what is our attitude now and our view and our, our idea towards film? You know, like in 99, we had a much better idea. Now, I don't think we know what it is. Like, do we want movies? Are we going to them? Do we just give a superhero things? Like, what do you think? How has it shifted? I don't know. I mean, I feel like every, you know, when you when you really get into the history of Hollywood, what's so funny is that every era you look at there's people saying movies are over movies aren't good anymore and i mean that goes back to the 40s to the 50s you can go look at any you know there were people in the late 90s in 97 99 who were like the 90s have been terrible and that's honestly one of the reasons why in the mid 90s a couple studio executives started making some big changes that wound up leading to the 99 movies you had some executives who really wanted to make movies that are kind of like the 70s 60s films again um yeah but, but we're now, not there now are we no, I mean, I don't know if there's really, I, I think there are a lot of executives who probably would like to make those kind of movies. But if you're in a big studio, you need you need a movie that people are going to show up to in the opening weekend. Or you need, or maybe you're trying to get an award film through, you know. Right. Um, and, and it just feels like it's very hard to get, being John Malkovich, it's like, would that even be a movie in 2020? Would that be like a really cool Well, you Instagram? said it would be a Netflix movie. Yeah, or would it be? Would it be more than that? Would it be like a really cool, like viral ad campaign on it? You know what I mean? It's like how would these ideas go? You know, there's so many other ways to tell a story now. That right. movie... uh, we were talking about this movie that we're gonna show the trailer of after is Spree, but the, yeah. the director he he did. I don't know if you saw it, but he did a uh, a whole Instagram page like Kurt's World where he built up and did all these videos leading up to the oh, you know, cool. this film. 
yeah. which is one of these fast action, like kind of like in your face DIY films. Yeah. Um, so continue. So yeah, I don't oh, know no. what we do. I think we have Ballad yeah. of Buster Scruggs and stuff on Netflix. They're making these movies, but that's it, right? Where else do we go? I mean, there's still a lot of great, like, there's still a lot of great independent stuff, and there's still a lot of, like, there's still a lot of big studio movies. I mean, honestly, my one of my favorite movies last year was a Sony movie, which was Little Women, which I loved. I thought this was a great movie. I thought it was really daring and imaginative, and I loved it. Um, and you still get, you know, people like Paul Thomas Anderson can still make movies. I mean, Phantom Thread was a big, you know, mm-hmm. big studio. Um, but it does feel... It does feel like they, the studios have been increasingly risk averse. I do wonder now what I mean. I, I wonder whenever we emerge from this, the, right. you know, the Y two K that happened twenty years later that we're living in now. Um, not wrong, Brian. How are we going to look? Not wrong. How is this going to change what we want from movies? What we go see movies? You know, where we see movies? I mean, I have absolutely no idea. I'm dying to see like anything. I would go. If I felt the movie theater was safe and I could go, I would. I would probably. I mean, I'd seriously just. I'd go watch like the crappiest Disney night, like <laughs> '80s live action movie. I'd go watch like anything at this point. I'd watch a Jan Michael Vincent Disney movie in the theater, and I'd pay twenty bucks and I'd sit there happily. I would not care what it was <laughs> about. Stale popcorn. No, I get you. You know, I but get I, you. How's that going to change? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. People are so used to watching stuff at home, but there's still something nice to like a movie like Get Out or Lady Bird that become these phenomenons where you're like, I want to go talk to people about this after I see it, you know? Yeah, or even Parasite right before. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. So, yeah Martin, that. that was one of those that got people like, I got to go to the theater. I got to see that. Yeah, it was. And it was great. And it was like a cultural phenomenon. And it was a fun movie mm-hmm. to talk about with people for months afterward. And it played forever. You know, it played for a long time. That's right, and that's where I wonder if we're going to have to start looking towards uh, European foreign films uh, overall for more of this original content. What's up, Jace? Oh, nothing. I'm just. Oh, that's the red light. The red light. That's the red light. Yeah. I I also, I mean, there are so many movies that I I wanted to, you know, that we didn't talk about that year. I mean, it's such an incredible year, right? We didn't talk about Go, did we? No, and I love Go. I interviewed Doug Lyman a lot for that, about that a lot for the book. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and again, it's also just it's that whole great, like, who would make that now? It's like the whole movie is just cut. It's also like it's told out of time, really, for no real reason, mostly because it's just fun. I mean, it's like you could tell that movie linearly, but yeah, great movie. So it just holds up really well. Fun, fun late 90s druggy culture snapshot. Yeah, it's a good time. Lake Placid was one of my favorite movies oh, that yeah. year. <laughs> oh, my God. I like Lake Betty White's. Betty White's in that, and it's just so good. It is good. I, I have a thing for monster movies and animal attacks movies, and uh, I mean, I would I put Deep Blue Sea over Lake Placid for nine, nine giant uh, aquatic based creature features, but uh, Lake Placid was a lot of fun. One of my one of my favorite movies that probably isn't going to get a lot. Drop Dead Gorgeous was one of my favorite movies oh, yeah. of that year. Drop Dead Gorgeous was fun. That's a that's a huge following. Wait, was, what, that, what movie is that? Who's in that? Uh, that ha- yeah, Denise Richards. It's a, it follows the uh, and and Kristen Dunst. It was a, yeah. a like a mockumentary um, in the like best of show for like uh, beauty. Queens. Oh yeah, for beauty pageants, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I remember that. That's a great one. No, it's a wealth. It's a wealth of of movies all over that year. I mean, like Ravenous, which is like a great. Oh, it's so good. That's one of my favorites too. Great movie. I couldn't even I couldn't even <laughs> mention the book. And it's like a it's a movie that has like. By the way, look up the backstory of Ravenous. It's insane what happened on the set of that movie and like. How much really? it got like they had to salvage it like two weeks in, but like that's a great, weird, gross, smart little zombie movie with like an absolute, absolutely kick ass score. Um, really one of the best underrated movie, like music scores of that year, but yeah, there's just little stuff everywhere. You're like, oh my gosh, this is, there's too many good movies that year, yeah, yeah. We we gotta go, but I, I just even looking through this stuff, it, I want to show my daughter, but it'd be like me pulling out a bunch of eight tracks and going, like, <laughs> listen to this, these this are gonna, great. <laughs> Lawbreaker really jams, man. <laughs> you got You got to check out this American Pie, yo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We even talk about American Pie. Yeah. Oh, that '99 was American Pie yeah. too. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. This is incredible. Yeah. Good year for good year for, for raunchy teen movies. Man on the Moon. I don't think we talked about, which is another one of those movies. Wait, Man on the Moon, Reese Witherspoon. No, Man on the Moon. Um, Jim Carrey. Yeah, the Elish Foreman one. Yeah. Oh, Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, that was that year too. And another, that was another big studio movie. That was a big Universal movie. You know, that was when that was like Universal's big holiday movie. One of their big holiday movies that year was an R-rated movie where Jim Carrey terrorized everyone on the set. You know, it's like ninety-nine. I don't think he ever got out of that character fully. Yeah, I don't know. That was a, there's a great documentary about that. That's, uh, I saw it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. On Netflix. On Netflix. Yep. All right, Brian, we have to let you go. But right, what I will say is, for if you want to know the movies we missed and you, you're more curious about this, just just. 
read the guy's book. Best <laughs> movie year ever, 1999. Brian Raftery, ladies cool. and gentlemen. Thank you, Brian. Please come back again. That Thank was you. awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Where's my applause, Jace? <laughs> I don't have it yet. I'm almost there. Oh, okay. Uh, I got it. We don't have some of the sound bites. We don't have my, my diabetes sound we're, bite anymore. We're, we're done. We're, we're just until tomorrow and the next day. What I'm going to do real quick, I want oh, you to no. talk about, I want you to vamp on something. Um, I'm, I want to put up a picture of his book so that people can see the book while we talk. Okay, great. But what do you want me to vamp on? Um, but, I mean, of all these movies, I, I don't know. Did you, what, was oh, there I have anything? a couple of things to vamp on. Are you just saying you want me to vamp? Yeah, just I thought you had a subject. There's like an. Oh no, no, no! Just you're throwing me. out a word. And I'm like, uh, I, I heard say, stadium. I heard talk, stadium. Talk to me about uh, eight millimeter. Um, I heard pet shop. <laughs> all right, so all right, pet shop. No one said pet shop. Pet shop. <laughs> That's how I improv. Um, okay, here's what I'm saying. First of all, before I get into anything, I want to say this. We talk a lot about the streaming wars, right? Well, mm -hmm. let me just say that in my Humble opinion, IMO, Netflix has not only won the streaming wars, but Netflix is in the VIP with the champagne, just like making it rain with movies. They just drop a movie very quietly last night. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Jamie Foxx, uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, you know, power project. Have you seen this thing yet? Well, this this I haven't got, I haven't watched it yet, but I I did see that this thing it, it is a series. This thing is a movie. This thing is a sequel. This thing I don't know why they have two directors on it, uh, but I gotta say they did a great job. This movie is insane. Basically, you take a pill and it gives you a superpower for five minutes. It might kill you, right? But this is insane. It's like limitless on crack, and they just drop it out on a Thursday night. Like, by the way, here's an $86 million movie for your pleasure tonight, uh, in case you have nothing else to do. Yeah, so you, you enjoyed it. This is, um, I was curious, because it's got kind of a, a mixed review, but you, 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 you endorse this movie? Yeah, listen, well, here, I endorse it wholeheartedly, because here's the thing, you don't have to do anything. You sit home, it's, it's, you, you turn it on, and by the way, I will say, I will even go as far as to say this, Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx, who I love, has brought back the tagline. Oh, yeah? Let me ask you something. Jason, Jason, Jason. Yeah. Am I lying? <laughs> Is that his tagline? That's his tagline. And by the way, it works. That's and he do it like the three times. He does it at the end when he saves his power because he doesn't take the pill. You know, and again, what we're seeing is, and I, you know, I like getting into the, the social stuff through art, which is what I love about Brian's book, which is what he said, which is what you said when you posted Hamilton. You know, this is all, let's argue about art and let's mm -hmm. talk about all the social issues through art, right? So, right. you know, again, in talking and in, in taking that philosophy forward, uh, you have a movie that is mostly black leads, the woman, the girl, uh, Jamie Foxx. You know, and it's it's pushed the the mom, and it's in New Orleans, and they're dealing with the racism there, and there it, it it is it is a smart film. Listen, they go through the semantics in Act Three. You know, it gets a little pedantic as 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 a lot of these big you know action based set set piece based movies mm -hmm. do. You know, the shootout in the end. Uh, you know, which is supposed to be downstairs at a you know pay uh, you know cash your check place, mm -hmm. right? Uh, which is like all of a sudden you're in a, a you know, a 9,000 square foot hotel suite, which again, it was like the shootout in Forced Alone films. I'm like, oh, I recognize that. Statham sh did a shootout in a hotel there. It's that set they use, probably like outside of New Orleans. The whole movie is New Orleans based. So there's some stuff where you're like, oh, but overall, man, this thing is a ride. Oh, okay, here's what I'll say. Joseph Gordon-Levitt did not have to wear a Saints jersey the whole movie. We get it. <laughs> okay. like Narlins, who dis, who dat, you know, uh, go Saints. But you didn't need to wear the jersey. Like, we get it. Okay. That being said, um, uh, the only other thing I'd say is that, you know, because Joseph Gordon Levitt is so good as an actor, I think he. He, feel, he looked like he felt a little uncomfortable doing such a big budget, kind of like mm -hmm. straight in your face. It wasn't looper cool. Right. You know what I mean? He but did, Batman, Fox he did, he right did rise of the Batman Rise of the. Dark Knight or whatever. What? Joe, George, Ghost, Joe, Joseph <laughs> Gordon-Levitt. However you say his leather, name. Leather, yellow yeah, leather. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Is that how you Joseph say his name? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, you say it the way it's written. He was, uh, 
It's it, I get it confused with Anthony Michael Hall, who who got violent this week. By the way, got fight with a pool guy. Or get uh, out of here. He got violent, Anthony Michael. He's a yeah. big dude. Uh, or, I would not want to fight him seriously, even in the ring with pads. He brought, I guess, he brought a, a boombox to a, a a hotel pool and was playing music, and people were asking him to calm down. He's like, "You fucking calm down." Come on. Is there like someone took a video of this? Yes, yeah, they did. Yeah, they oh, did. Please That's find that, Jason. I please will, find will, that. Will, Where we put that up? I mean, I am the biggest. Like, I saw Johnny, whatever it was, Johnny Utah, whatever the 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 Johnny Hollywood. Oh, I don't the, know. The quarterback movie he made. I mean, I'm a huge oh, yeah. fan for like yeah. even when people were like, "You suck," I was like, "Nope." Uh, no. Johnny Johnny Utah is Keanu Reeves' character in. Uh, That's right. Uh, in the, um, right. what is that movie? Uh, Point Break. Yeah, Point Break. But Johnny Hollywood, or I think you should, is with Uma Thurman and Anthony Michael Hall. Is like the first movie where he's like on steroids and he's like, no, maybe he's just big. You know, where he went from basically the Breakfast Club to being this, you know, this ripped dude. And he's like, I'm the high school QB1. And you're like, oh, wow. I watched oh, wow. that movie in the theater. <laughs> So what do you got here? So let's get into the spree trailer. But I'm saying Project Power. Watch it. Tell me what you think. I endorse it fully. Again, awesome. some third act stuff. Blah, 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 you know, normal stuff you're going to get in these big movies, but really good. And Jason, Jason, am I lying? <laughs> let's watch the spree trailer. All right. All right, let's do this. Out today on VOD. For all of you out there who don't know me, Get ready. Because you're about to know me. Hey, I don't see any cops around. Should I blow this next one? <laughs> I'm Kurt. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. What's up, guys? We're going to inject this right on the label. Does this water have, like, a taste to it? Airtight. We're watertight. <laughs> if you're not documenting yourself, just don't exist. <laughs> the mouthfeel on this? Otherworldly. What we're doing here is important. We're creating a brand. <laughs> You're following me, you guys. Fuck yeah! Enter the rideshare nightmare. The fucking gun? You don't know what this job's like. You Put don't that know. Fucking no, gun no. Where are you going? I'm taking you home. This is not the way to my fucking house, Kurt. Oh no, not your home. My home. <laughs> I mean, first of all, this kid is great. Joe Keery, is that his name? Yeah. I have no idea what that movie is. So it's a rideshare movie that basically, like, this guy who's an Uber driver, this kid, decides he wants to build an online brand. If you're not being watched, you're nobody. And he starts, like, killing people in all these different ways, like a killing spree as an Uber driver. Okay. But it's, so, because when you watch it at the beginning, I was like, is this like a, like a joke movie? Is this like super jackass or... <laughs> But that's what they want you to do. Like, if you look at Kurt's world, um, uh, the guy's uh, Instagram, the director, uh, he has all these videos leading up to this. Like, it's real. Like, he is an Uber driver who went and started, you know, posting these videos. And, you know, we're watching his story. And that kid is, I mean, that kid's really natural. And, and by the way, let me be clear. To all our stuck-at-home-mees and our stuck-at-home fam, I am best friends with David Arquette, who's in this movie. And... It has, I, David makes like five, six films a year. I'm not promoting him on here. Like this movie, there's something very special about it. And I, I think I'd love to see it be a top film by the end of the uh, weekend on iTunes. Because, you know, we can't be top anything on iTunes. So I'd like to see this movie so. be on there. Look, Jason got mad. I don't like to talk about that. <laughs> fucking Cliff brought that up. Oh, that's my only one. I'm sorry, Jason. Je by the way. Can't work harder than Jason. That's not the point. Apple just doesn't like me. See, because everything is ultimately about me. What are, you, what are you doing over there, Jason? Nothing. I just got to... Jason just gotta, stopped producing when I said that. He just no, like, no, I got to... 
I got a weird, I got a long voicemail from some people over at uh, uh, the, the uh, my movers. So, but what's going on now? You're still not fully into the move, right? No, but they so broke Spree, my... wait, let's just stop. Spree yeah, VOD, spree. To, go buy it. Six ninety nine to rent. If you don't like it, come talk to me. I'll, I'll give you the six ninety nine back. Seriously, if you really yeah. don't like it, DM us. And yeah, I'll give you six ninety nine back. Oh yeah. All right. But otherwise, watch the movie. All right. Now, it looks really good. It, it looks scary, and it looks fun, and it looks it looks funny and fun, like a dark comedy horror movie. Yeah, it's got Blair Witch parallels. Yeah, but you it's know, also it's got kind of found footage. But it's also got you know, it's like it does have a little bit of a weird dark jackass, or you know, we're, I was talking about Jawbreaker earlier is one of my favorite movies from ninety nine, also, or a Heather's. You know, oh, there's Rose a little McGowan, Jawbreaker's all oh, so good. Ninety nine. Um, but like Heather's and that stuff where you have this dark comedy where there's something there that's still funny. Right. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we have here. And that's what we're looking at, which is not what apparently you're going through with your move. Oh no, that's a different thing. They broke my mom's piano, a little piece off the piano. They broke our refrigerator. And so they're, you know, they, I just got the, I, I just got a phone call about it. Um, how, how are they handling? Do we want to say the name of this moving company? Not right now. Not until we figure out how they handle it. We might though. We might. We might. Okay, yeah, so okay. how have okay, so this unnamed moving company thus far, because I did this with Zabars, how have they handled this? So we had to fill some like it was a real weird kind of like I wanted to get them out of the house. And so they kind of like at at a certain point they were just, you know, it was like we wanted to work toward like it was like a four hour minimum and um, you know, but and but uh, not, not to, to exceed. exceed what? And they hours. worked towards their exceed. I am sure of it. Like right. they just moved slow and then they really sped up the last 30 minutes, you, got you know, and they, well, they wanted to leave and then they, yeah, they, they bought, got hungry. They wanted to put, they putting stuff together and they're putting it together sloppy. So my refrigerator doesn't work. It's all scraped up. Um, we, the doors don't broke your mom's up. piano, which they is 1800s. Is that right? 1800, 18, like 92 is when that piano was made. Um, but broke the rim. And now that thing has traveled. I, I, me and my friend Dylan and my dad in flip flops, Put that onto a a U-Haul, took it from Reno to L.A. without breaking it, and we're dumb, and we didn't wrap it or anything. We put blankets over it and tied it together with bungee cords, and it made it okay. These guys broke it. They just weren't paying attention. Is it fixable? No, but wait, the piano's done. No, the piano's not done. It's 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 the trim on the top, but I could I could glue it on, but it's not. It's broke. Otherwise, you'd have to get it restored by a professional antiquities dude. Yeah, and I don't know if it's worth it, but I, I'm, I was willing, I was gonna refinish it anyway and take the front off so we can make it kind of cooler looking because it does right. kind of it's old fashioned, um, and it does not in a cool way. <laughs> so it's like saloony. No, that would be cool. Like, like if you're um, like if you were in a one uh, like in a schoolhouse and you're you're in a kindergarten at a like a one room schoolhouse kind of. Oh yeah, it's got right. a little like roll up thing or something. Yeah, and it's got like on the little keys. flowers like done on there and all oh, that boy. stuff. But yeah, it's okay. like, but I meanwhile, how are they handling this? And you, yeah, it's your we'll mom's see. and it's an heirloom. So we'll what have they said now? You said you got a call. They, 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 just, they, they just called, and so I just was re- I just saw the text message on top that said, "Hey, this is blah blah movers. We want to talk to you about what happened." Right. Okay. So we're gonna see how they decide to to handle this. Yeah. This is I like JD's thing. He's like, <laughs> you know who uh, I am. Do you know who I am? It's like, am I lying? <laughs> Yeah, am I lying, Jason? 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 No, I can't do it again. Really, <laughs> am I lying? I mean, like he brought back a tagline, and oh, this is the other thing they do. So they give Jamie Fox the tagline, you know, which is amazing, or he took it. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, what they give him is the reuse, you know, or we'll say it's an homage to uh, Dirty Harry. Like, are you feeling lucky, punk? Mm. Except with the power pill. You know, oh, okay. that, except you don't know if you burn up or you don't burn up, you know, right. and it's not bad, but I wish, you know, like they weren't giving Joseph the tagline because I got to tell you, Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Fox, Jamie Fox. Why did I say Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie yeah. Fox. He's, he he's, it. he, he is it. Uh, a presence like that you don't see very often. Like even, Agreed. you know, did you watch that? Uh, those uh, live versions of like the Jeffersons. Oh, I watched every, All in the Family and Jefferson's. All in the Family Jefferson. He was playing uh, Mr. Jefferson. Yeah, he played Mr. Jefferson. Just him walking in. It was almost, he's almost too much because he's so much of a presence. Like, you know, like, you're like. Yeah, he takes all the air out of a room. You don't see anything but him. He's just such a. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Listen, I agree with you, and I think he did it in this. I think you're really going to like it, Jace. I'm excited to watch it. I, um, What's I, just I, shaking I, over there? Is it an earthquake? 
Oh, uh, no, that's just me getting excited. Um, oh, no, I know what it is. It has my chair. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on a, um, there's a whole, this is like a whole new world for me. I'm sitting in a, on a, in a chair on at one of those uh, desks, one of those stand-up desks that you can, you can bring up and down. Like I can bring my desk up right oh, now. Yeah. yeah but yeah, the chair, you try, yeah, there you go. But the chair is also kind of like a stand-up chair where you can have it like high or low. So it's like sitting in a bar stool and like a drafting chair. Yeah. And so and table. Yeah. Cause it's, these are all artists here. I got like an artist's office when i uh can you I, put a treadmill under that table i i could put one of those i have one of those like pedaling uh uh ellipticals i could put down there like an elliptical like a sit down elliptical hell yeah okay so so what we've established today first of all is 99 has some of the best movies dude uh, we didn't ever. get we didn't well, get, no, it. No, get it no, i just want to run down a list i just wrote yeah, please uh, let's the do first it one down that i could think of and that i saw She's all that, which is maybe not the best movie, but it's something a reference that I use all the time, right? The she's all that reference, like the 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 person that's kind of like just has Amanda to they Bynes. have to take off their glasses to comb their hair, and all of a sudden they're you know the, the prettiest person in the room. Blast from the past, I loved. Uh, Brendan Fraser, Alicia Silverstone. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I thought that movie was locked fun. in the uh, Holocaust. Uh, yeah, the Holocaust, Holocaust bunker. With, uh, bunker. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, why? Why did they want to put Brendan Fraser always in these? You've been locked in time, and now you're coming out. Like that's how he got famous was prehistoric man or whatever it was with Paul Shore. Sure. Yeah, maybe it's because he. You know, and I think he's in a lot of older movies because he has kind of that classic fifties look. Maybe he looks like he comes from a different era. Yeah, gods and monsters. You know. All right, go on. Um. And then um, Jawbreaker, I just brought up Office Space. Eight Millimeter was not one of my favorite movies, but probably one of the weirdest movies I'd seen till then, which was just that weird. Like it just went a whole weird directions that I didn't expect. Like how they got to half the movie and then it just went fucking crazy, um, which really let me know who Nicolas Cage was going to turn into. I was just saying it's like where Nicolas Cage went from weird eccentric artist to just weird eccentric. Right. Yeah. Analyze this. Came out in '99, which again, not oh, the greatest movie, but De Niro. What do you mean? No, that's the best movie of all time. But that, yeah, but it was a great movie, and that's it was the first a, one. Yeah, and the it original. changed the path of De Niro. Like all of a sudden, De Niro started doing comedy. It was his switch. Yeah, he wouldn't have done Meet the Parents if it wasn't yeah. for. Uh, but by the way, you know, again, couldn't make that movie because I'm thinking about the lines I want to quote right now from De Niro, and I can't right. say them. You know, you, I, uh, you, yeah, you, 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 you're good, you. you. You're good, you. You. You know, and again, it's it's the old, but he took that that adage of, uh, you know, uh, look at me. Look at me, yeah. Look at me, look look at me. He took that and made it funny. Again, am I lying? I, I thought you were going to throw you in my nice. line. No, 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 that was good, Jason. I like that. Okay, go on. What else we got? Uh, Analyze. So, it's I amazing. Just throw a couple more um, out Please. here because I didn't put everything I didn't watch because I didn't like I didn't like the Cider House rules, so I didn't put it on here, but it was on this list. I like uh, the play. I saw it in New York. I like the, I like the book a lot, but but the movie just did not. I mean, it's Tobey Maguire, so right yeah, there you kind of. But kinda Charlie's Theron, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Ten and, things, and I feel like go ten things. Ten things I hate about you. Oh, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger's first movie, our big oh. breakthrough movie. We talked about the Matrix and Go, Austin Powers, Run the Little One. This one's stupid, but Big Daddy. Um, oh, um, uh, Leslie Mann. Well, isn't that Leslie Mann? Too? I think it's Leslie Mann and Adam Sandler and uh, yeah. uh, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Emmanuel Uncut. Shariki, by the way. Oh. Oh. I think. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Emmanuel's in that. Uh, uh, she's just great and everything. Yeah, so wait, uh, South Park. Big and Longer, Uncut. That musical okay. came out that year. Uh, wow. American Pie, uh, Eyes Wide Shut, Light Placid, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Deep Blue Sea, a movie um, that we've talked about before, a Twin Falls, Idaho. Oh, yes. We, we had Michael Polish on uh, the Cliff Dorfman show. A yeah. very deep dive interview with him, which, by the way, if you like that movie, you're interested in that. That is a great I, I love doing that interview. That was a great interview. Yeah, he was really and what a sweetheart. And I learned a lot. I still think about fonts in a different uh, way after. Oh, yeah. After he talked to him. Yeah. Going to that school. Yeah. Uh, that, but that was a great movie. Iron Giant, one of the best animated shows. Vin Di by far Vin Diesel's best uh, movie. Uh, oh, I thought he did a great movie with, uh, it was, I think it's called Not Guilty. Oh, uh, I don't but it's, I don't know. No, no, it's a director. I think it's like the guy who directed Equus. Like, oh, okay. seriously, it's like a real old school. Like, Vin Diesel really tried to work with some greats. Mm. 
And then he did. I he tried. I, just... I mean, he worked with Spielberg. I mean, I guess the best movie he was in might have been Saving Private Ryan. Um, yeah, for sure. And that was, but that was before he was. That was like Spielberg saying, "Here's a guy that could be a star. Yeah, what you do with him, that's up to you. That's up to you, exactly." And yeah. now we have the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, yes. Iron, okay, so Iron Giant, Mystery Men, which we didn't bring up, but I, I think is a. Oh, I saw. I saw who was quoting about that. Who was? Oh, uh, I, played, I played some video of it on the screen when you, I was trying to figure out, like, just put as much stuff as I could. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Mystery Men was on there. And I, again, not a great movie, but something that, that was interesting, trying to get superheroes, trying to make it a comedy. Ben Stiller. Um, that's where that All-Star song came from. Not Shrek. It came. That was where All-Star, they, they made that All-Star video. 99. Jason, you know what I'm going to tell you? What? We're out of time. We're over. Yeah. Oh, we're oh. not only out of time, we're over. Again, that's why I love doing our show. I, I, I just Okay, so bulletin points. Watch Spree. Watch if you don't free. like it, DM me. I'll give you six ninety nine back. We, we read best movie year ever. Brian Raftery. Yeah. Uh, watch any of these movies. All, I'll of, just these say, movies. all of these movies. Galaxy Quest. I'm just keep reading them off while you talk. Blue Street. Oh my God, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. The Straight Story. The the only G rated movie David Lynch has ever made. The Straight Story came out that year about a man who rode to his rode a tractor. Uh, a mo no, a, a riding lawnmower. Lawnmower, right. right, right. A riding <laughs> lawnmower uh, across the country, right? They're like across the state or something, like yeah, a whole bunch yeah. of miles. Yeah. See, this is why we're going over today, because, I mean, this yeah. is just... And, and, and Toy Story 2. Dogma, if you like Dogma. I like Dogma. We've been 1999. Uh, I don't like it now. about like Kevin that. Smith, right? Yeah, but... Uh, uh, Blue Streak had uh, Luke Wilson in it. That's why I threw that one in there. But uh, anyway, yeah, I just lots of good things happening. I just glossed night. over it, man. Okay, so we will be back on Monday. Everyone, everyone to have a great weekend. So bulletin points. Watch Power Project, Rent Spree. Rent Spree. Uh, best book, best movie year ever. Ever, the book. 99. Watch all of these movies. And we will be back on Monday with a brand new episode of Stuck at Home. So stay safe, stay sane, stay strong. Jason Smith. I love everybody. Take care of each other. Cliff Dorfman, see you next time. Have a great one. Bye, guys. A podcast network.